Yo, 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 welcome to the Coach's Box, everyone. Thank you for stepping into the Coach's Box with us. I'm your host, Coach JP3, joined tonight by the real Coach K and Coach Natty T. So, yes, lots sir. to talk about as always. Uh, we had some some soccer matchups, you know, the cups, you know, the, the tournament's ending. We got some on the rise here, and Coach Natty T's going to bring us his top 10 soccer players of all time, and I know it's going to be controversial and we're going to get some hate mail but it's okay i'm uh, cool with that we cool with that <laughs> you know if we're not if we don't have haters that means we're not doing our job right that, oh that, yeah absolutely yes i got uh, all kinds of haters <laughs> for due reason Katie. that's for good reason though <laughs> <laughs> so, um then, you know, we have we don't talk a lot about baseball on this show, so we thought it might be good to bring a, a baseball topic. A lot of the stuff that's been going in the news is about baseball attracting younger demographics uh, and then different subsets of de- demographics as well. Uh, you know, so we're going to give our thoughts on uh, Major League Baseball and being able to attract younger demographics. And then, we, of course, we got to talk about our team, our USA basketball team, slipping up there in the first couple games. We're going to give our thoughts about that and finish off with some finals, five, game five, six, and seven predictions. First, Coach Natty P, kick us off with your Euro 2020 and Copa America final reactions. Natty, Natty Damas, Coach Natty Damas, as we call him in the group <laughs> chat, everything this man puts in the group chat comes true. Everything he says on the show comes true. And I've Not never everything. been around someone like this. And, you know, you think about, you know, for those of you that – you know, have a religious background. You talk about prophecy. You know, oh Lord, prophecy. oh no. You know, you think prophets, you know, are just back in the Bible times and stuff like that. We have a prophet on our <laughs> side. <laughs> His name is Coach Natty T. Go ahead, tell us about the the end of the tournament, your reactions, and both games that you called the correct winners. Yeah, so I I am not a prophet by any means. Let me dispel that right now. <laughs> before I get struck by lightning <laughs> on a clear sky but anyway um but yeah so you know I was fortunate enough to pick both games um last week overall my opinion on both tournaments it was a good showing just for soccer as a whole because both tournaments were really exciting um drama a lot of overtime a lot of penalty kicks some people don't like penalty kicks but you know there's a lot of drama to it um but overall i like i just really like the overall quality of both tournaments um the team i felt bad for was england because although i picked italy to win um england there's a lot of players on england that i do like because i watched the english premier league pretty much religiously every weekend when when it's during the season so you know a lot of their players I do like but I just I just knew they would end up falling apart well I can't use the word falling apart but I just I just knew Italy was gonna pull it out some way somehow um and then the penalty kick situation the three missed kicks I won't go too much into that but I think the coach made a mistake by putting them in, putting two of the kickers in, like in the last minute of overtime. Mm-hmm. 
Because basically they didn't really, you basically kind of just put them in cold. They didn't even get a chance to really touch the ball or anything like that. They just ran up the field a few times and then it was like time for penalty kick. So, you know, that's a pretty tough situation to get put in. And then the last kicker, uh, Saka, he's 19 years old. I mean, really brave to be able to step in and try to take the kick. But I'm like, why are you putting a 19-year-old in that position as the fifth penalty kick taker? A lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure, especially if you had guys like Raheem Sterling, who scores a lot of goals. I mean, but whatever. Um, you know, that's been well documented. But overall, my reaction was, you know, it was a good tournament. And I was happy for Messi because he finally got that international trophy because it would have just been blasphemous if a player that good didn't win at least one major trophy for his country. So because of that, it led it, it led me to um, – Revealed my top 10 soccer players of all time because I felt like it was it was just good timing since when Messi finally, you know, brought one home for his country. So I'm going to jump right into it. So number one, all time, my opinion, Diego Maradona. And to me, I'm not going to say it's not even close because I mean, all these guys are great. But what he did in the World Cup and what he did in. Um, in Italy for Napoli, which was his club team, unbelievable. The level of difficulty was unbelievable because he basically did it by himself. Um, number two, I have Lionel Messi. Okay. This tournament just puts that stamp of approval for me. I'm not going to list all his accomplishments because it's too long. I would spend a few hours listing all of his accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Next, Cristiano Ronaldo. So that's controversial within itself because, you know, if you want to get some smoke on the internet, just put out who your allegiance is between Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi and you will get some fire. Because <laughs> they're so close, right? They're very close. They're very like, close. I mean... I Ronaldo has one more Champions League. Than- yeah, so, I mean, because to me, because they both won so much... It's just a really a personal preference. I just think Lionel Messi is probably the better overall player because he just does more things. Cristiano Ronaldo is just the more, I think he's just the better goal scorer, just pure goal scorer, I would say. Um, and then the, the impressive thing about Cristiano Ronaldo is he's a one in three different countries, not like three different teams. Although he's played for three different, more than three different teams, but three different countries. He's won the English Premier League, he's won the Spanish League. He's won the Italian league. Like that is, that's unbelievable. And that's hard to do. Wow. Um, you know, cause each country has its own style of play and, you know, different players and just different philosophies. And for him to still translate his game to three different countries for him to be 36 years old and still going as strong as he was when he was 26 years old. I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. So number four, I have Pelé, so that's where my controversy, that's where the smoke probably going to come in because most soccer people, even if you're just a casual or non-casual fan, most people know Pelé has the greatest player of all time. Right. But right. I'll come back to him later. I'll address his stuff later. So number five, so some of these players, some people may not have heard of, but uh, Johan Cruyff, he's from the Netherlands, hmm. played around the 70s. I mean, he has a move that he did that's that's named after him called the Cruyff. Like whenever you have a move named after you, like 
you got to be in the top something. <laughs> <laughs> and just his philosophy, even as a coach, because he coached Barcelona, he coached uh, the Netherlands as well. Um, you know, he's just an absolute legend when it comes to just philosophy and offensive play and how you pass the ball and all of that. So have Johan Cruyff, number five. Zinedine Zidane, I have at number six. He's from France. And if you've seen him play, just an absolute maestro on the ball. Also a great manager as well. Uh, number eight, or number seven, I should say, uh, the Brazil Ronaldo, as I like to call him. Now, Brazil Ronaldo is, if we're talking about my favorite players of all time, he's tied for number one for me because he played the position I played um, when I was younger as a forward, and he's the player I looked up to the most. Um, but I have a number seven, number eight, Mikhail Platini, also another French player uh, in the 80s, won the Euros in 1984, phenomenal player. Um, and then now some of these other guys people may not have heard of, but number nine, uh, Farik Puskas. So he's a Hungarian player. This is back in like 50s, 60s. Unbelievable. Beast. Really? I never heard of that. I never heard so, of that. So, no, he's this this guy was unbelievable. Let me tell you how much of a beast he is. So, he had to like actually get, you know, drafted in the army and didn't play for two years and then came back at 37 and still scored 35 goals Jeez. in the season. So, beast. <laughs> but he's one of the best forwards of all time. Like, not just hand, like, if you go on YouTube and pull him up and watch one of his games, he's doing the stuff he's doing back then is what guys are doing now. Like, it's unbelievable. So, number 10, I have Franz Beckenbauer. So, he's a German player, German defender, um, just one of the most solid defenders of all time. Um, won a World Cup, won a Euros, won plenty of European championships. So, he's, he's a legend within his own right. So I have two honorable mentions. One is George Best. Some, some may have heard of his name. He's, a, he's from Ireland. Um, he played back in the 60s, early 70s uh, for Manchester United. He really kind of made Manchester United in terms of popularity. What, that was kind of the early stages of what we know it today. Um, he really kind of brought it back to where they were. Because when they first originated in the eight, late 1800s, I mean, they were a powerhouse, and then they kind of had like a little low there. George Best comes out of nowhere, just unbelievable. So even Pele himself said that's the best player he's ever seen. Oh. Pele said that himself. Um, and then this may be controversial, but I, and, and for me, it's probably more hard overhead. But George Weah, so he's actually the president of uh, Liberia right now. But he was a full, he was a soccer player, and he's the first African player to win the World Player of the Year in 1994. Oh wow! So, dude was a absolute beast. So his son actually plays for the U.S. national team sometimes. Um, his club team, he plays for Lille in France. His son does. Um, but yeah, George Weah was unbelievable. So 
let me address my Pele pick because I already know people are like, wait, I thought Pele was the best player of all time. Right. No, he's not. No, he's not. So as great as a player as Pele was, I'm going to really kind of focus in on him versus Maradona here because Diego Maradona, in my opinion, is the best player to ever play the game. Why? In the 1986 World Cup, the man single-handedly won Argentina the World Cup. Single-handedly. Because you can't name another player on that Argentina team. You can't. Even most like soccer fans can't. People like my dad can't. Mm. <laughs> I get into this argument with him all the time because he loves he loves uh, Maradona as much as anybody else does. But he's a big Pele guy. Mm-hmm. Here's why I don't have Pele as number one, as great as he is. Now he's won three World Cups, but the problem is when you start to dig into the weeds of his career. That's where you, there's a lot of there's a lot of holes in there because a lot of Pele's legend is the fact that he was such a great ambassador for the game. And you know, back then, as with a lot of things, you know, word of mouth traveled faster than actual media. So the details get fuzzy. Mm-hmm. So to give him credit, his first World Cup. 1958, Sweden, he's 16 years old. He's playing in the World Cup. Unheard of. He scores a goal (laughs) in the World Cup final. But what people don't understand is Brazil is already up 3-1 in that game when he scores his goal. So not to – I am diminishing it, but, but like, okay, like that's great, but they're up 3-1. It's not like he scored the game winner. And two – Garicha, who's another Brazil legend that doesn't get enough love, in my opinion, he's the one that got the player of the tournament. And I bring Garicha up again, because in 1962, in the World Cup in Chile, Brazil won, yes. Pelé only played in one game. He played in the first game against Mexico, then he hurt his ankle. There was some controversy with his coach, because supposedly he was ready to play, but the coach didn't want to put him back in. But Brazil won the World Cup without him in 1962. So you can't be the best player of all time if your country wins a whole World Cup without you. And then Garincha, like I said before, 1958, same guy. He was on the team again in 1962. This dude wins the Golden Boot Award and the Player of the Tournament Award. Golden Boot means he had the most goals in the tournament. So he literally like carries the team Brazil to the World Cup. But everybody forgets that. Oh, Pele was on the team. Well, he played one game. So I'm not going to give him credit for that. 1966, he gets, they basically like injured him on purpose to get him out the tournament. <laughs> That's why they lost. 1970, he wins the World Cup. But that 1970 Brazil World Cup team, is arguably the best World Cup team of all time. And it's not even, like, debatable. If it, They're in everybody's top three, top four lists. You can name off the names. Jerezino, Revelino, Tostal, Gerson, Roberto Carlos. I mean, all these guys are absolute legends. Pelé was a part of that team, but 
That team was loaded with players. And there's my last point. So Pele never had the chance of playing in Europe. Now, part of it was when in 1962, after they won the World Cup, very political, but the president named him a national treasure. So they technically wasn't allowed to leave Brazil. Oh, That's what they say. And if you ask Pele, there's multiple interviews, he says, well, you know, I never wanted to leave his club team, Santos, at the time. He never wanted to leave. But then there's other interviews with Pele where he says, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, Manchester United, who had George Best, who I mentioned before is one of my honorable mentions. They almost were on the same team. Real Madrid, who had Puskas, the Hungarian player I was telling you about. That was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. They tried to get Pele, but then there, there's some, the money didn't work out right. And he's like, well, I just didn't decide to go. Like, no, 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 Pele. Don't twist the facts here, dude. Either you couldn't leave or you turned it down. There's no... If it's if this was law, it was supposed to be law. So nobody can give you a if nobody the fact that nobody can get a straight answer on that that tells me there's a little mud on 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 the clarity there. That's fishy. That's very fishy, right? So here's the other thing: they act, they say, "Oh, Pele scored over a thousand goals." No, he didn't. So when he played for Santos, this is where him being an ambassador comes into play and where his legend grew is basically Santos would play a lot of these exhibition games around the world at the time. It's like 1960s. Like even so much short, there was like, you know, there was like a little civil war going on in Nigeria. Like they literally stopped just so they can come to see Pele play with Santos. Like that's how big they were. So I'm respecting all of that. But it's in those games where he's scoring a lot of these goals. And they're counting those in the thousand. I'm like, no, 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 no. You don't count those. Because technically, Ronaldo and Messi have more goals than him all the time in terms of real actual games that counted. So with those things, that's why I have him fourth on my list and not number one because, again, his legend is undeniable. No denying that. Again, Coach JP3, you've been a witness to this. You've seen some of that 1970 World Cup yeah. soccer tape because my dad has it. I have it. Yeah. I learned how to play the game off of it. That's how my dad actually taught me how to play. Yeah. So I love Pelé. I love Brazil. I always have a soft spot in my heart for Brazil, but facts over Felix. When Maradona is single-handedly leading Argentina to a World Cup. And I went back and watched these games. That's why this pandemic was kind of a good thing for me because while I was sitting here find, trying to figure out stuff to do, I would actually go back and watch all these games. Wow. Every single goal, and I'm not exaggerating, you can look it up. He either scored, assisted on the goal, or had the hockey assist on the goal. Every single goal that they scored in the tournament. For Napoli, they won two European championships. Now, that's great. Give you some context on Napoli in the Italian league. 
They were complete trash, garbage, horrible. Till Maradona got there. And they win two European Cups. Single-handedly. Since he's left, Napoli hasn't won a thing. So this is similar to, let's just say, if LeBron James would have won two championships with his first Cleveland team, they didn't win anything before them, and then he leaves to go to Miami and never comes back to Cleveland, then Cleveland still never wins anything. That's a, that's a good analogy. And we're talking about the first go-around in Cleveland. And you see, like, his teammates that he had, that's similar to the quality of teammates that Maradona had at Napoli when he was there. And he wins two European Cups and actually wins the Italian League above I'm wearing an Inter Milan shirt. I mean, these are, like, God-like institutions. Inter Milan, AC Milan, mm-hmm. Roma, like, Juventus. All these, like... Even give you more context, even back then. So their payroll, Napoli's payroll was half of what those clubs were. And Maradona took up like almost half the payroll by himself. <laughs> that tells you how bad the team was. And the man single-handedly won Italian leagues and European Cups. Now, he doesn't have as much, you know, medals and stuff, you could say, as like a Messi or even Pelé or even Cristiano Ronaldo, but that level of difficulty, mm-hmm. that puts you number one. And you can't, nobody can argue me off the table on that. I don't care. Now you're my dad. So when I bring that up, he just walks away because he has no comeback for it. None. So all the old heads, all Pele was this. First of all, you didn't see Pele play because y'all just were listening on the radio. You didn't even watch the game. <laughs> yes, I just went there. Because <laughs> if you go back and watch, he was a great player, but at the same time, he always had other great players around him. Maradona didn't. The man single-handedly won a World Cup, for goodness sake. And in the 1990 World Cup, got him back to the finals by himself. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. come on, man. Like, it's that, to me, like, he's number one. So... Mm. I'm done with my list. That's so insane. y'all can at me. Hey, but that's much. that's my that that's why I have him number one. And that's why I have Pele number four. Because again, I still have him top five. Because again, he's he is a legend. And you know, his list of accomplishments are, are long themselves. But again, there's certain things where you're talking about level of difficulty and just overall impact on the actual field. I mean. Nobody's ever done what Maradona has done, leading a, a whole country to a World Cup by themselves. Yeah. I'm going to get at you right now. Oh, oh, Lord. I know she didn't have David Beckham in your list. Man. <laughs> if you want to talk about – so I'll give David Beckham this. If you want to talk about, like <laughs> – like all time great, like, you know, cultural impacts or whatever. Like, okay, I'll put David Beckham in there, but he's not. I, me personally, he's not in my top 50. Oh, God. That hurts. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, uh, in terms of, because he was, because he's, 
he was a specialist. Like he was really good at what he did, like on you know set pieces, free kicks, and those sorts of things. And you know they did a whole movie, Bend It Like Beckham, and all that. Like that's great, but as a player, no, no. He is spoken. Yeah. So that's my list. So again, I, I just felt like it was necessary because Lionel Messi finally got that last kind of medal under his under his belt with the international win so um you know win in the Copa America so again I just have to solidify him as number two the only reason why I have him number two is just for me again Diego Maradona the level of difficulty of what he's done or what he accomplished nobody else has ever done that period that's hard to argue against I know when I was Mm -hmm. naturally after Messi gets his everyone's like Messi, Ronaldo, who you got, who you got, who you got. So I, I, I looked into some of the stats, and it is not an exhaustive stat list, but I would just look at it in terms of uh, Messi has four championship leagues, Ronaldo five. Uh, Messi has six golden ball trophies. Ronaldo has five. Mm-hmm. And they both have a continental trophy with their respective country. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, man, like, I, don't, I don't know what I, where I would put either one of them. That's why to me, to me, it's a it's a personal preference for me. And again, I I just think Messi's just if you watch them play, Messi just kind of does more things. Like as he'll he can create, he can score goals, he can, you know, he can dribble you down. Whereas Ronaldo is a little bit more selfish, I would say, but so not selfish in a bad way, but selfish in a good way, because you need guys that Guys who score that many goals are selfish. Selfish, they're, like, they're hungry to score goals, and that's what you want. Yeah, um, some people get like, mad because, well, because you know Cristiano Ronaldo, like if he'll miss a shot, like he you know he gets really mad, or you know, say if somebody else is, you know, in and around the box, and you know they could have passed it to him to score, like he'll put his hands up, like why didn't you give me the ball? But to me. I like that because I think it just shows his competitive drive to keep going and that he's not satisfied. And at that position, that's what you need. Somebody that's just absolutely relentless and just wants to score as many goals as possible. And that will get completely ticked off. Even if the game is over, they up like five, six, zero. If he misses a shot, like he is pissed. And I like that. So I'm gonna have to start watching some tape on some of the other guys on your list that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, you'll see. You'll, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, Zinedine Zidane. Now, now, in terms of pleasing on the eye, if you look up his stats or or his highlights, whew, you talk about breaking ankles. Mm-hmm. Man, had dudes on a string. So I think was I think it was just the World Cup when I got a chance to see when I saw him. Right. Yep. Yeah. So he, so in that 90, so that's a good one to look up. So because they actually beat Brazil and the Brazil Ronaldo in the 98 World Cup in France. Mm-hmm. Just look at that game, man. Dude was just, man, Brazil just didn't know what to do. Dude's just falling over, trying to grab his jersey, can't catch him. Like just, <laughs> he's unbelievable. Just a complete maestro. So that. That's it. You've heard it. Coach Natty T's top 10 soccer athletes all the time. And both of the tournament games correctly. And just one thing before we transition. My people in England, 
stop being racist, okay? Like, just, I, 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 I hate, and it's not all of you, I know that because there's a lot of citizens who came and covered up the profanity and the racial slurs that were on the mural uh, and writing very positive things, uh, you know, about the players. So I, you know, I just really appreciate that, but it's just like, man, like, you lose a game and then people just like, <laughs> Well, that's that before we go to the next topic, real quick. So that's why I felt bad because so Marcus Rashford, he's the one that has the mural in Manchester because he's done a lot of work, um, you know, off off the field work. That's I mean, he's a legend just for that work that he's done. Um, him, Jaden Sancho, and Sausaka. Um, all three of them were black. Mm-hmm. And I when <laughs> You can ask my wife. I'm sitting there watching it. I'm like, Marcus, please do not miss this penalty kick because they're going to come at you. Mm. Missed it. Same thing with Jaden Sancho. And I was like, Jaden, please make this penalty kick because they're going to come after you. Even though I picked, even though I picked Italy, I was like, I wanted them to make it because I knew, I knew what was coming down the pike. I knew it. I knew it. But I think, but it's been good. I think. Um, Overall, the response to the racism has been good because um, I saw the other day even there was a kid that tried to get into University of Oxford. They actually denied it because, you know, they saw some of his social media posts and they like revoked his acceptance later. Yeah. So I was like, all right, that's good. I, I like that. So um, overall, I've been pleased with at least with the response. But I, I knew it was going to I knew that was going to happen. I was like, man, it's got to be the three black dudes at this because I already knew. Right. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, oh, shoot, like, you know, so Marcus, I'm looking at, like, this dude, has, and, and the others, I'm sure, but because it was his mural, I'm just talking about him, like, he did all this stuff to better the community, they were listening to some of the stuff that he's done. Oh, yeah, he's done a lot, like, he's a legend. Bettering your community, and you tearing him down over a game? <laughs> like, over one game? The fact that he is one of the people that helped get you to that point in the first place. Right and that yeah, over a penalty kick like come on man yeah, like that, well like like I said man I, they're it, it it's crazy over there it's man. it's nuts that's nuts I'm scared it's, it's yeah I was just gonna say I think it's, it's crazy the fact that it gets like this over I think it just shows you how big how big of a um how big soccer is just to uh, cultures of different country, countries in general. Because, like, <laughs> if, um, say, like, in the Olympics, if the USA basketball team loses, nine nine times out of ten, no, nobody cares in the U.S. that, like, the U.S., like, I don't know, like, if the U.S. basketball team loses, yeah. you know, in the Olympics, like, they're not going to get – they're not going to get uh, – They'll they'll get they'll get made fun of, but I mean it's not yeah it's not it's not to the level of like where it's gonna be like you know racial slurs or like just disparaging you know at least not that type of treatment. Yeah, that, and that's what I was trying to explain. Like when we were, when the tournament started, because even the Copa America too. I mean, it's it's hard to really explain how big it is in these other countries because we just don't really have anything comparable 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think even kind of the best way, I, best example I could give is, you know, I mean, they they almost take it as serious as like military service because it's, I mean, <laughs> like you're literally representing the country on a world stage. So they yeah. take it like really, really serious. And then again, just the fact that soccer is the number one sport in the world and there's not really much competition on that equal level. Um, you're just kind of combining all of the NFL fans, college football fans, college basketball fans, the NBA fans, the MLB diehards, but all in all of that energy into one sport. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you can imagine that. So that's kind of the, the pressure and just the attention. And that's, that's what it's like, you know, in, in other countries. So that's the best way I can really describe it. See? Yeah. So it's 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 a lot, man. That's why I'm like, cause I, I I couldn't imagine playing under that kind of pressure, cause it's a lot. Ah, That's just different. It's <laughs> different. It's different. I mean, it, yeah. So, but you know, it was a it was great. It was you know fantastic tournaments overall. So I'm I'm happy. Yeah. Well, we're gonna um, you know, from one sport to another, we're looking at. Uh, a, a sport with very worldwide appeal and to another sport that does have some global appeal, but is, I think has a certain stereotype placed on it, perhaps when it comes to, all uh, oh, people don't like this sport. So we're going to talk, we're talking <laughs> about major league baseball. And so you, you hear some conflicting views through a lot of the, the news shows and stuff that you that you see the sports news shows and it's just like sometimes I think they they make it out to seem like nobody likes baseball uh, and Coach Natty T you sent us a graphic that MLB is number two as far as the major sports in the world uh, as far as revenue is concerned I believe right under the NFL yep. yeah so they're ahead of the NBA yeah and so you talk about NBA being maybe the more popular across all generations perhaps and so you see that as one but actually the bet the bigger revenue is coming from major league baseball uh but so you know we don't want to twist the narrative and act like no one likes baseball but what we want to do what we want to focus on is are there demographics that are missing that could really help the popularity of baseball uh even Mm -hmm. further that uh, baseball is known to have the oldest fan base with the average person being 57 years old and so <clears throat> compared to some of the other sports that is older uh, than that. And so Major League Baseball has done a lot of trial and error in this um, on, on this avenue for, for a few years here. You know, they're trying to say to see how can we reach folks on media and apps and, and just maintain relevancy and attract people to the game. So they did they did some work on Twitch, um, you know, just saying, hey, this is nothing about like an actual game, but we're gonna engage people in baseball type of things just to get the young viewers uh and, and, you know, listening to, to stuff. So they have a lot of MLB employed live content creators, is what they call them. Uh, just to get people hype, you know, the, the stars are present on social media. I know Francisco Lindors, for instance, he has over 860,000 followers. Uh, so there's people that do have a big following. A lot of people are thinking about it in terms of, is it like you're not marketing your players 
to the to the utmost potential. So that's one theory. And I would say to a certain extent that could be true is that you're now leveraging your star players on the correct platforms right? and, and as broadly, you know, you can't just depend on one or two people to carry you. Uh, that I think there's enough, there's definitely enough talent in the MLB. There's enough that, that people should be household names and recognizable faces. And you get a little bit of hype during the home run derby because I think that's an exciting view for fans. So that brings casual fans into that. But that shows what people like, it, it, a little bit of, am I, if I'm dedicating this time, which is a long time, not a lot of consistent action, right? So you're talking about how the game is actually being played. But if I can look forward to maybe, man, if this person hits another home run, and I think that's where Otani comes in, right? He, he could be that next person for there. And I know Stephen A. Smith, uh, you know, made some comments about, him not being marketable because he's not as proficient in English as a lot of other stars are, especially from other major sports. And I'm like, I don't think it really matters. I think it's his performance that matters in the way that Major League Baseball decides to utilize him and, and on platforms. I think anybody could become marketable. And it's not like he doesn't speak English. And so I think that's, that's the part that I didn't like about that is that they made it seem like he couldn't and that because he doesn't speak at a very high level, that it doesn't matter what he does on the field. You know, so I, I think that was a little irresponsible of Stephen A. Smith to put it out there like that. Um, but yeah, I'm looking at this in terms of, oh, the other thing was the uh, league also invested in what's called MLB Originals. So it's a YouTube um, program. Uh, so it has, behind the scenes glimpses of players on and off the field and stuff. So it's trying to get you a inside, like inside look at the players, trying to attach the fans to the players. Uh, that has been working okay. 80% of those viewers are um, under the age of 34. So you're talking about, hey, this, this is working. So I say all that to kind of just paint a picture of that. I, I don't think baseball is doing as horrible of a job as people have proclaimed it to be but I do state I think they have some work ahead of them because the only thing about this is that you're relying on media platforms that are not the actual game of baseball so if you're talking about driving viewers to the television to actually watch a game they haven't reached that level because you know you look at the generation of how we re receive and absorb information if I can see highlights by even maybe if it's watching Sports Center, but also just scrolling on IG and stuff like that, I'm gonna get the highlights that I need, the things that I feel are exciting without spending all those hours watching a game. That was so much downtime. So the thing that MLB has not yet to do is really translate that, um, those connections from social media to actually get people to watch games. Now I will say, and, I, and I'll throw it over to you, Coach Natty that the one thing that baseball does have is they have a great pastime of in-game experiences if you're actually able to get to the game. You know, there's something very historic about that with the snacks and the seventh inning stretch and uh, the social time that you get during baseball games. And you kind of start that as a kid, but you know, depending on where you are and depending on how much bread you got, some of those games are not as accessible to everyone too. So you're, if you're talking about lower income 
uh, places, then those price tags, if you're, you know, Boston Red Sox, Yankees and stuff like that, to get that full experience is going to cost the family a lot of money. And then I would say, also, lastly, is also, I know that MLB is dedicated a lot of money and I hope that that initiative works because baseball is not a cheap sport to play. And so you're looking at, in every neighborhood, you could probably bank on seeing a basketball court somewhere in a neighborhood. You can probably have, uh, you know, they have little league football teams scattered out throughout um, different communities, but not a lot of baseball, right? It's an expensive sport to play and to travel and everything like that. So I think some of that socioeconomic viewers also contribute to that. That's just my two cents right now. But Coach Nighty, what do you think baseball needs to do uh, to gain some popularity from younger audiences? Well, so I have two directions I'm gonna go. So one, um, as as you stated, you know when when it's being talked about on you know your ESPNs and your FS1s, it's kind of like I, I just think it's a very misleading narrative. Um, you know when they're talking about baseball, because to me it's not. I want to be clear. It's not it's not a racist thing. It's a racial thing. Um, because there's just such a disconnect between most, not all, but most of the black community in the United States and baseball are just, it's just two different worlds. We don't know what's going on. We don't know who the players are. And as you said, you know, it's not really being played a lot. Not to say, because again, we, we have examples. We had guys like, I played in the NFL, uh, Kyler Murray and um, Jameis Winston off the top of my head that played baseball really good, but there's just such a disconnect there that, you know, obviously the MLB, MLB sees that and they're trying to, you know, kind of shorten that gap, that gap by, you know, influencing or putting money into, into the game, which I think is good. Um, and to piggyback off of that, I do think, and we, we talked about this a little bit as to, you know, the MLB, can it be popular in the Black community again? I think some of it is on us, mm -hmm. Black community, because, and, and this whole narrative is changing as well, I think, because we're so, like, stuck on basketball and football. We kind of put ourselves in that box if you're an athlete. And, again, I do think we're starting to kind of open up a little bit, you know, because just the world that we live in. Um, so I think part of that is on us to realize like, Hey, there are other sports, right. you know, <laughs> I mean, it's not just football and basketball that you can play now. I mean, there's other sports. <laughs> um, so I think kind of that change in mindset along with the investment, I think would, we'll start to see some fruition come from that. Um, now number two, or I guess number three, but this is my other, uh, perspective. So When I look at these numbers here, so what I did, so where I work, we kind of do work with a lot of these leagues. So I kind of did some digging here on my work computer. I wasn't supposed to, but I wanted to make sure I get the right numbers. Um, so it's basically three things. So when I look at the list that, that I sent y'all in the group text, so the list that I sent for our listeners, it basically shows the revenue for all the sports leagues in the world. Number one, no surprise, was the NFL. Um, number two, 
was MLB. And it was very shocking to me. Not recently when I saw it, because I knew this, but it's very shocking to me that they're number two. But yet, there's just this narrative that baseball's dying and it's struggling and they don't know what to do. Like, no, it's doing pretty good. And I'll read off the numbers here. So the NFL is number one, $16 billion in revenue. No surprise there. MLB's number two, $10.7 billion in revenue. And then the NBA's third with $8.8 billion in revenue. So, I mean, there's almost a $2 billion gap between the MLB and the NBA. That's huge, man. That makes no sense, right? Because you go on Twitter, you go on ESPN, you go on FS1, you know, Skip is yelling about this and Stephen A's yelling about that. You would think, right? But to me, I, I wanted to do some more digging. And let me just give me a moment here. So have some data here that shows, breaks down by age group age demographics, this is, that's what we're kind of talking about, younger demographic. I mean, obviously we're talking about the black demographic as well, but just from a macro perspective. So 18 to 34 year olds, 35 to 44 year olds, 45 to 64 year olds, and then 65 and up. So I'm gonna do MLB first. Okay. So this is just a simple survey. Now surveys are kind of iffy, but once I paint the whole picture, I think it makes sense and it validates it to me. And it validates why the NFL is number one, MLB is number two, and NBA is number three. So the MLB, 18 to 34 year olds, 49% of them are fans, whether it be casual or diehard fans. Let's combine those. 49% of the 18 to 34 year olds say they are fans of the MLB. 51% say they're not. Okay. 35 to 40 or four-year-olds, 60% say they're fans. 40% say they aren't. 45 to 64-year-olds, 57% say they are fans. 43% say they're not. That's very interesting, right? Because it's supposed to be older, older, right? But the 35 to 44-year-old demographic actually has the higher percentage of fans. Very interesting. 65% 65% and up, no surprise here, 59% are fans, 41% they say they aren't. Now, I'm going to go to NBA. 18 to 34-year-olds, 58% say they're fans, 44% say they're not. Not surprising. 35 to 44-year-olds, 62% say that they are fans, 38% say they're not. That's okay, makes sense. 45 to 64-year-olds, 37% of that demographic say they aren't, they are fans of the NBA. And then 63% say they're not. 65 and older, 33% say they're fans. That's 67% say they're not at all. That's interesting. Interesting. So now I'm going to go macro here and just let's just go ahead and talk about the NFL. 18 to 34 year olds for the NFL, 64% say that they are, 36% say that they're not. That's interesting because normally they say, oh, the NFL has a, it's, a, it's older than the NBA fans. Mm-hmm. That's what they say, right? right. Not, according to, not according to the raw data, it's not. <laughs> they have 64% of the 18 to 34 year olds. 
35 to 44-year-olds, 71% say they're fans, 29% say they're not. 45 to 64, 66% say that they're fans, 34% say that they're not. 65 and up, 57% say they're fans, 43% say they're not. So I bring all those numbers up. I know that was a lot, but I bring all those numbers up to say this is why, or this is my estimation on why they're ranked one, two, and three. It is hype and substance. The NFL has mastered the hype and the substance portion of what sports is. Look at the fans and the age groups. They had the the even allocation percentage was very even as to who fans are, who who their fans are, who their fans are not. Major League Baseball has mastered the substance part. They haven't mastered the hype portion. So they don't get talked about on social media. They don't get talked about on ESPN. They don't get talked about on FS1 as much. But... If you look at their demographic of fans, that 34 to 44 and then the 45 to 64, those people have more purchasing power. True. Very true. Now let's look at the NBA. They're 18 to 34-year-olds, 58%. That's good. Mm-hmm. Then 35 to 44-year-olds, 62% fans. That's good. But problem is, uh, 44 to between 44, 45, and 65, they ain't checking for it. But that's where your purchasing power is. So, yeah, you can have a whole bunch of 18 roads, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24 year olds fresh out of college. But guess what? They broke. Those are the people that are on social media, but they broke. Very you true. see what I'm saying? Very true. That's what that's when it clicked for me. I was like, ah, okay. And to me, that's why the NBA is so kind of keen on this whole ratings and trying to change up the season, trying to come up with different ways to make it exciting because they know, because they, they watch how the economy going is going. They know that those 18 to 34 year old demographic, like, yeah. Do they watch it? Yeah. But you need them to get them to spend money. <laughs> That's the whole point of sports, right? And in this world that we live in it now, you know, because a lot of them don't really come into their peak earning years till you hit that like 35, 40, 50 year old ages, right? So to me, that's it in a nutshell right there. The difference between watching on TV and going to the game. That's right. It. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. That makes and, a lot. And I think the other thing is too, in term even the even that those older fans that watch TV, right? Mm-hmm. They have more purchasing power. So the MLB has an MLB network. They can afford to pay for that extra network. Mm-hmm. Whereas an 18-year-old, a 19, 20-year-old, yeah, I may love to get the NBA TV. I can't afford that. Like, I'm on a budget. I got to do 
<laughs> I can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to tweet about it. I'm going to be on Instagram about it. But I don't really have the purchasing power to really help the NBA see the fruits of their labor when it comes to mm-hmm. the attention that they garner on TV and on social media. So I think that's why they're kind of trying to figure out like, okay, well, that's good. Like we got all this attention, you know, Stephen A and Max and Skip and Shannon and Manuel Acho and, and, and Wiley and everybody calling coward and all that, you know, they got around the horn. We have all these topics on all these subjects, but how comes we, how, how in the heck are we $2 billion behind major league baseball? <laughs> if they don't get a peep of coverage. How is that possible? So that's kind of my, that's my whole thought around it. Now, hmm. quick question for out of that, seeing that there's no salary cap in baseball, do you feel that that helps influence those numbers a little bit too? Maybe. Um, I, I'm, that's partially it. Um, and then the other thing is, I think the MLB, and, and to kind of garner on their substance point, I think they, they just, they really understand who their customer is. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not, it's not racist. It's just a racial thing. Because when we're watching, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but, you know, the college baseball World Series has happened. That stadium was full. Yeah, it was. It <laughs> right? Was. Little League World Series. Those little up in Pennsylvania, those, those little stadiums are full. And there's kids from all across the country and all across the world that are playing. Now, they don't look like us. Majority of them don't look like us. But they're playing. Yes. Even I, I'll share a personal experience because I, you know, I work here, live here in D.C., and I've been to a lot more baseball games than I thought I would ever go to in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, y'all know me. So when I go there, you know, because we take clients there and stuff all the time, and when I go there, you know, I'm always, I always have my wandering eye, if you will. (laughs) And when I'm there, I do see a lot of younger people you know, either peers, because I'm, I'm 33, either my age or maybe even a little younger. I do see a lot of, you know, kids with their parents or with their dads that bring their baseball bat or not baseball bat, bring their baseball glove to your point, Coach JB3. It's kind of part of the tradition. Like, you know, you got your popcorn and, you know, you, you, you have a seat in the outfield. You hope to catch a home run. I see a lot of that. I don't see a lot of kids and I don't see a lot of peers that look like me. Right. But I see a lot of my peers there, though. Yes, that's very And true. they may not be tweeting and all that, but they're there. Uh-huh. And I think Major League Baseball has understood that and said, hey, listen, like, you know, they're here. They're buying the merchandise. They're here. Because you can go to a game, especially during the regular season. One thing I must say, it's very affordable. It really is. Because even like those outfield seats where you try to where you're trying to catch the ball. Mm-hmm. 20 bucks. Yeah, Kenny, when we went to that Colorado Rockies game with Coach Wake Up, those those tickets were like 
It was like five bucks. Yeah, How much? Yeah, and they were like really good outfield, like yeah. close close to the to the outfield, yeah. close to the uh, field seats. It was during the week though, so it was a little bit cheap. We got a good. Yeah. Deal. But yeah, I was I was surprised. Yeah, cheap. Yeah, and you had a pretty and you had a pretty good time too, because it's not that like when you're at the game, it's actually like you know what, it's not too bad. We talked, we joked around, we you know celebrating, and some good plays happened. I know it gets a little bit more expensive for some of the other teams. You know, each team has their own, but that's every sport that has that. Um, yep. But NBA, you ain't going to an NBA game for ten bucks or no. twenty bucks or twenty-five bucks or fifty bucks or a hundred bucks or a hundred fifty bucks or two hundred bucks for that matter. Yeah. Let it be a halfway decent team coming to your town. You yeah. don't sit in the nosebleeds for three hundred bucks on a Wednesday night. Yeah, in Cleveland. In Cleveland. Yeah, and I was I was surprised because Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm on their mailing list. They've been sending a lot of desperate emails out lately. Uh, <laughs> but I because <laughs> I sent some of y'all in the chat. I sent it to some of y'all. Like they really trying to like get people there. Yeah. Uh, but they don't. They don't do that when the Lakers are playing, though. No. No, they don't do that when the Warriors are playing, though. No, they, they do that when the Brooklyn Nets are playing, though. Never, no, nope. it's not for those games. It's basically like two trash teams playing each other. You can get a nice ticket price for that for that game. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think those stats are very interesting, and I didn't expect some of those. Shocking, because they again, because it makes you think like all oh, MLB, but they have a decent. They have a decent following in that younger demographic. It's just, again, we're so disconnected. And when I mean we, I mean like most of Black America is so disconnected from it. So it's like, you just don't know what's going on. But there's a lot of people, there, there's a lot of people like baseball. And I think it's, all, it's also interesting that, I mean, there's a lot of money being a player in Major League Baseball too. Mm-hmm. Where depend, depend, unless you're like a pitcher, you know, pitchers, a lot of physical intensive labor there. Yep. Part of the position. But for others, not, not as much. So possibly having a longer career playing a non, for the most part, non-contact sport. Um, one of the things that I, I thought about was I wonder why and it starts like this this kind of timeline, if you if you will follow me for a second, is like you talk about how it's our responsibility to introduce a plethora of sports into the neighborhoods to the best of our abilities. And if these leagues can help with some of the resourcing of that, that's awesome. So we can get some camps and neighborhoods to introduce the sport of baseball to folks that maybe not have a way to play it otherwise uh, and get that. But, and I think also the structure of baseball may be problematic for folks who are wanting immediate compensation for their skill set because they're looking at, I want to get out of my situation. I want to bring my family, my loved ones out of this situation. You're not going to be able to do that on a minor league, you know, baseball contract. You, mm-hmm. I, even if you did, you know, didn't do the minor league thing. Uh, last time I checked, the minimum salary for Major League Baseball is just over $570,000. When it's higher for the NBA, it's like nine twenty-five. dollars It's almost double for the NBA. So it's like, man, if I had to make a life decision, I'm going to choose, even if I really did like baseball, 
but I was also good at basketball, I'm probably going to choose basketball. Uh, and even if I get down to the G League, I'm still going to be making more money than I would in, in, in the minor leagues. That might be a gap as far as not from a fan perspective, perhaps, but right away, but from the player involvement, which does fuel the type of fans that you could potentially attract. Mm -hmm. right, so I think some of these things are all connected, uh, but I would like to see them try to address some of those things as far as how players are compensated and, and, and Major League Baseball having the bigger revenue, I'm surprised that they're not investing even more into that space. Well, the thing is, though, what's unique about baseball is, you know, whether you get drafted, you know, out of high school or you have to commit to the three years in college and then you get drafted, um, you a lot of those guys that are high draft picks, they, they're still paid, like, major league baseball money if you will so for example um kyler murray um you know if y'all remember when he was getting drafted um you know he got drafted i think it was number one by major league baseball as well and he had already got drafted by the oakland a's and they had upped their offer to you know five four million dollars a year for the next five years or whatever so to your point though baseball is difficult is more difficult because even if no matter you get drafted out of high school or out of college if you're a phenom you still got to go to the minor leagues <laughs> so i think to piggyback off what you're saying i think part of it is not even just the money because again like a guy like colin murray he still would have got paid you know four or five million dollars a year while he was still playing in the minor leagues because he's still property of or not, I don't want to use the word property, but he's still under contract with the A's, figuratively speaking. It's just, that's just kind of how they do things. You just have to kind of earn your way up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, part of it is, you know, we, we want to be on TV. Like, we want, we want yeah. the fame. Yeah, yeah. You know, and him being a quarterback <laughs> or playing in the minor leagues for a few years and then getting to major league baseball, hitting home runs and maybe being that star that baseball needs, whatever. Uh, hey. I'd rather be the rookie of the year in the NFL. Hey. And all those things that come Right, out. right. Because his contract is, is about, at least his rookie contract, it's about the same as what he would have got from Major League Baseball. But, you know, listen, like, he's he gets to be the face of the franchise for the Arizona Cardinals, be the quarterback. Yeah, I'll probably want to play yeah. – I'll probably want to play football. So, so Coach Coach Natty T and, and Coach J.P. Grout, you probably chime on, chime on this too, but I'm wondering if you think what sport has more – opportunity and I think this could actually play into the revenue side of things. I don't know how much how big of a part it will play, but what which sport has the more more opportunity for corporate sponsorships, NBA or MLB? Because you know, you said something like you saw you you saw your peers at um you know at baseball games. Mm -hmm. Every company that I've worked for, like is a sponsor of some type of sports team. 
And I, obviously, like, basketball is not as easily accessible to do that because, like, there's not basketball teams in every city. But uh, I look at, like, for, like, my uh, – we have – company I work for, we sponsor um, uh, like, the – uh, Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians, and um, also uh, several other companies I've worked for, like either it was like Cincinnati Reds or mm-hmm. some Ohio baseball team. But um, and when I talk to sales guys, they talk about when they talk about taking clients to a sports venue, it's either we're going to go to a baseball game or we're going to go to a football game. Ain't nobody going to no Cavaliers game. Like, they're not taking no no prospects to – Yeah, no, they go to the play. baseball game. Yeah, go to baseball game. your executive suite because, like mm-hmm. I said, I've, I've been in there. Yeah, it, it yeah. is nice. I ain't on front. It is nice. Yeah, it is nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and I guess that's just my thing too is when you think about that, like a lot of – like as you get older, like – I guess sales guys, whatever, like, you know, that's where they're taking their clients. Like it's, it's much easier to, to enjoy. Like you said, uh, as close JP three was saying, where like we, we had a chance, we like, we talked, you know, we could actually like interact versus like, you know, you can't do that or basketball game really. Right. So no, not to, but to add to your point, that's what I was saying about Major League Baseball because I, I, I think this is where they understand their customers very well because they do know they do have a, a traditional fan base. And again, I, I, I keep saying this, not racist, it's racial. A lot of those companies that they're kind of negotiating these ticket packages with are white males. Mm-hmm. 50s late 40s 50s early 60s that's your base that's your diehard baseball core following right there yeah and of course they're going to be like heck yeah we'll have a package with you guys (laughs) you know what i mean and again you know in 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 most suburban communities in the united states um you know it's mostly white and most their kids play baseball as well so of course they're going to say hey yeah let's take the the little league baseball team to the baseball game like it's just it's a very easy transition to kind of bring that whole family the whole demographic in and as and to your point it's a very good environment like because again like you know for, for the listeners out there you know i'm going to be a father in about a month or a month, a little over a month and a half, two months. And I'm gonna be honest, like whether I don't we don't know what the sex is gonna be, but whether it's a girl or a boy, like, you know what? I'm gonna take them to a baseball game every now and then too, when they're when they get, you know, when they get a little bit older, because it's like it's actually kind of fun. Like I can't even front. Like I was shocked myself. And not that I don't like baseball, but when I went, I mean, you can relax. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't even got to stay for the whole things. I know sometimes baseball games are long, but like you can go for like, you know, six or seven innings, five, six innings. You're like, all right, I'm good. <laughs> you know, and, 
it's a very like relaxed family oriented environment because to your point you're not going to hear a bunch of craziness in the stands because everybody's pretty chill because everybody has their son or daughter there you know you get your you get your baseball cap and your jersey you just kind of just you know get a nice seat in the shade yeah, most. You know, it's it's an, it's it's yeah. pretty, like I I really enjoy baseball games. I really do. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think that's part of to your to y'all's point. I think you know that's part of why it has been successful from a revenue perspective. Um, it's just you know, can they kind of infuse more of the black community in there? Yeah, and again, as much as the NFL is number one, they have their issues. NBA has their issues. All sports leagues have their issues. Every sports mm-hmm. league can do something better. But yeah. um, but yeah, man, you know, I I like baseball games. I can't even front. Of yeah. course, I've been spoiled because through my job, but it's a very like enjoyable environment. Like you it's a very relaxing, like you're you know, it's it's actually like really, really nice. We're going to a Clippers game um in a few weeks. Yeah, they, they students. You know, they we we get them a, a meal ticket and, and an admission ticket, and they go in there, get some, grab some food, and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I will say that MOB is also missing that, as much as I didn't like what Stephen A. Smith and some of the others were saying about baseball and about Otani and stuff like that, because um, one of the things that baseball is missing consistently. Our narratives and and stories, our narrative drives mm-hmm. listeners, drives viewerships. We can bring in casual people. They're like, oh, let me check, let me check this out. Let me check this game out. Let me check this person out. That is one thing that they are missing. I feel you know each year, and perhaps that these conversations being on a national platform, and the mistake that Stephen A. Smith did make, could possibly end up helping. Mm-hmm in the long run, people thinking about mm-hmm. baseball a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, so I hopefully some good comes out of that very messy situation. No, you're right, because yeah. I mean, they're, I mean, the, they actually have storylines there. I mean, there's, there's actually a lot of captivating storylines, because to your point, there's the international players. There's actually a lot of you know, players that don't like each other. And, you know, every time they see each other, there's always some sort of drama. So there's a lot that, that can be built off of that. It's just they haven't necessarily capitalized on it because I, I just think they feel like, well, you know, we don't really need to get into the social media thing. You know, our revenue is good. Yeah. I think that's where the mentality is. Because when I watched, I never watched as much baseball as I did when Sosa, McGuire, and Bonds were just going ham. Yeah, like that was fun. That was so fun to watch because you knew at any moment when they stepped up to the plate, history could be made. Mm-hmm. And Barry uh, Bonds. Barry Bonds, yeah. So like I watched every Giants game. I watched, you know, uh, Sosa, McGuire. I tried to watch every game that I could of them just to, you know, just to see what would happen next. You know, I was like that with Griffey too. Uh, a little bit with Kenny Lofton, but mainly with Griffey, that was my guy growing up. But uh, so yeah, it's it's stuff like that 
that I, I hope they did. They decide to capitalize a little bit more. It's like, okay, you know, let's bring some more folks in, at least expose more people to the game of baseball mm-hmm. to get them thinking about it in a way that they perhaps haven't thought about it yet. And because uh, the, the talent is certainly there, like yeah. that's 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 not a question. I know they're loosening up on the bat flips and stuff like that, just to yeah. bring a little swag to the game. Yeah, so I think I think all that will help. And, and to your point with Otani, I mean, with him pitching and hitting, you know, maybe that can be something that, you know, kind of at least opens that door a little bit. Cause I, you know, I think even with, you know, with, with, with players and, 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 you know, potential players that maybe would choose football or basketball, maybe that's something that would gravitate them towards baseball. Yeah. Traditionally, you know, pitchers don't, don't hit. Cause that's just, you know, they just don't want to, they just, that's just how it is. But maybe you have a guy like Otani that's dominating the game in both facets. You know, maybe it's like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to strike your team out, throw a no-hitter, and I'm going to hit a home run and send y'all home. Yeah. Like, that would be pretty exciting to watch. That's and, Boston. That's, Boston. Yeah. <laughs> that's That's pretty amazing stuff. And, and, and to your point, I mean, I think yeah. all it really takes is just, you know, to, just to have that one – athlete or personality that can kind of just start something you know because again like like you said that like the Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire Barry Bonds I mean that that was a spectacle to watch it was and we weren't even baseball fans but you turned it on to watch like oh man is he gonna hit one tonight like that was exciting so you know that's really all you need yeah yeah um so Speaking of spectacles, <laughs> sometimes spectacles come up short. So yep. Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, they didn't disappoint us. Nope. But perhaps USA basketball did. And, and we, we've seen a lot of track. <sighs> like it's nothing compared to England's situation. Nothing no, no, no. But – a lot of people have been clowning our USA men's basketball team, uh, you know, dropping the first game to Nigeria uh, and Australia. They did beat Argentina uh, pretty handily, uh, 28 points. Their their game against wow. Australia, uh, another game against Australia was canceled, but they do have Spain coming up Sunday, Sunday night at 9 o'clock. That will be their last of the exhibition games. Then they're going to be going into um, – more of a USA, France, Iran, Czech Republic, and going into the quarterfinals. So, what what's going on with USA basketball, brother? Man, it's some interesting. You said spectacles because you know. <sighs> oh my gosh, you're breathing on his glasses. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, I really um, <laughs> Uh, man, oh, so I lost Australia, lost Australia, Nigeria. I mean, Bradley Beal is out. Uh, Kevin Love opted out. Hey, we got Javel McGee. We got Javel McGee. Man, and then they got Kelvin. Oh my. Just get the job done, man. That's all I got to say. 
Now, now I'm on, I'm on, I'm looking at it from a, another perspective though. I think, um, obviously, like this is a it's a very uh, very unique situation because I, I feel like obviously like the world has definitely gotten better um, yeah. at basketball. So I mean, you have to respect that um, NBA. I don't know, like the NBA um, supposedly has the – I mean, they we do have the best players, you know, in the world, like playing in the NBA, but not all of the best players in the world. So, I mean, I think at any given day they're probably I'm, – I'm just assuming the thing is like the cakewalk, um, just run right through, like, the competition, but – at the end of the day, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think Ohio. I mean, I think that very well just walk away with um, a silver medal. Uh, it. <laughs> you, know, you, you think you think with Kevin Durant on the team that that will be enough, but at the same time, I mean, a lot of these guys are tired. Like, didn't get really that much of an off season. And now you're talking about you have to you you want you want to play in the Olympics. Um, KD coming off a seven game series. Um, I don't know, man. It's just tough. And then and then when you're getting when you're getting JaVale McGee and like Kelvin Johnson as uh, wh- who who decided that these were viable? Like, <laughs> yo, I hope the plane. I hope the plane. The plane should have took off before they even got a chance to get like to the airport. I don't, I don't know who made that choice, but you know, I, th- I definitely think uh, losing losing Bradley Beal is going to be a going to be a big blow. Um, I don't know. I, I question like how, like as the I guess as the Olympic Games went on, like I question like how 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 hard. Like whether or not their heart's really going to be in it. Like, did they just do it just to do it because they, or is it is it really something that they're really into? But either way, um, on this on the flip side, I think I think people are kind of uh, these are just exhibition games, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know when it's time to turn it on, it's time to turn it on, and you have you have. A, you have multiple people that can go off at any given time, especially with Dame and KD. So I think it's a big deal about nothing, uh, ex- except for the except for the uh, the repl- some of the replacement players. Um, but <laughs> uh, but um, you know, but at the same time, it's like it's just exhibition games. Um, and you know, you know how the media is. It's all about narrative. So you know they're talking about as long as the U- U.S. has been playing, like we've never lost no more than two exhibition games, and now we've lost two exhibition games in the same year. Mm-hmm. It's just the narrative of the story. At the end of the day, like. I'm gonna go to sleep at night, not really caring whether or not they lost or won. I mean, if they win, if they win a, if they win a gold medal, you know, for the for the country, 
that's cool, you know. But at the same time, it's like I don't know. Like it's it's just it's just still it's just a weird. It's just it's just this weird. This year for basketball has just been like extremely weird for me. Like I might actually be more excited. I think I might actually be more excited to watch the Olympics than I am to watch the actual like NBA finals right now. But I mean, we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, and from my last and final point, Zach Levine should have been on the team. I mean, come on, man. That's all. And you had to end with a bull's point. I did. (laughs) Um, Quickly, I don't have a lot to add. I agree with uh, we have a very old, outdated perception of global basketball, not realizing who is in our own backyard as we watch our 82-game season each year and our playoffs and our all-star games and our MVPs. We talked about this on past shows that the NBA as a product has benefited largely, especially uh, within the last what, 10 to 15 years from or maybe 20 years from global talent being in our league and being top tier players like all-stars each year uh, from your, you know, your Spurs teams to um, you know, you have Luca, you have Giannis, now you have Joel Embiid, you have uh, the Joker, you know, so all these people look at our all-stars and you're looking at a, a nice percentage of them, you know, they, they have other home countries outside the United States, you know, they would play for those teams. So that kind of affects who we put on the floor, but that also forces us to look at who else is playing for these countries that maybe hasn't got their NBA break at this point yeah but still can hoop like mm-hmm. as, and also how many of them play together and how long do they play together first how long our guys play together because you look at maybe you know our guys spend a lot of time playing against each other when oh. in some countries they do a lot more playing together this takes me back and coach natty t you may appreciate this so when we hooped we undoubtedly had the best talent on the floor pretty much every game. Pretty much every game. And then we would get a tune-up game. And I forget the name of the church. But they would beat us every time. They wouldn't blow us out, but they would beat us. Yeah, I forget their name. I forget their name, but they played excellent team basketball. You could tell that these dudes played together. They trusted each other. Uh, so, you know, you had big men, so they had a little bit of size on us, but they also had perimeter shooters. So that kind of canceled out our athleticism as a team and our shooting. They would frustrate us each and every time, and we would keep close, but then they would pull away at the end. Mm-hmm. And I look at that as like, you know what, these dudes know how to play together. And I think the U.S. has to figure that out, and they will. Um, I look at their, you know, playing against France. It's not like a cakewalk game, but I, I think they could they could be fine there. Uh, and Iran and Czech Republic, I think they'll be fine in those games. My only thing is I think it depends on who gets to the, you know, the, the quarterfinals, semifinals, especially against us. Might kind of sway me one way or another if we're going to pull this out. But I think you're going to see much better USA basketball 
moving forward, even if we don't get the gold. I think you're just going to see us play better. I mean, it's hard when, like, you, the one country is able to put out their best players, and we still got folks playing basketball in the United States. Right. Right? We still got finals going on. So that's that you can take that into consideration, too. But that's all I have to say about it. Coach Natty T, what do you got? Yeah, so I actually had a couple of thoughts. So, you know, go try to go quickly. Um, <laughs> it kind of brings me back to the conversation we had a few months ago on this show, mm-hmm. talking about European development versus American development. Yes. I think you're starting to see that come to fruition a little bit because, you know, I think the, the gentleman that did the video, he did a fantastic job. Um, you know, our upper echelon elite players are better, just more talented. And to your point, you know, I don't see LeBron out there. I don't see Steph out there. I don't see, you know, Kyrie, James Harden, Kawhi, Paul George. Like, you know, our best team isn't there. So I'm not totally surprised that they may have lost. Well, I was maybe a little bit surprised they lost back-to-back games, but if they don't win the gold medal, I'm not going to be that surprised because it's not our best team. But I do think it is starting to show around the world that the development that's happening, they may not have the collection of, or at least each team may not have like four or five guys that are like top-notch, but their middle guys are probably about as good as our middle guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe even a little bit more fundamentally sound. And you're starting to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, <laughs> and again, like I said, the, it's not the best team. And what I mean by the best, quote unquote, the best, it's not the best players overall. So again, I'm not surprised. Um, but my other thought is, I don't think Greg Popovich is the right coach. Yeah, um, I think he's a Adam coach. little bit stuck in his ways a little bit. Coach um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, because even we saw an example of this in 2019 in the FIBA World Cup. Again, that wasn't the best team because I think it was like Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, and, you know, kind of like that third tier of NBA stars. And they finished seventh. Mm. So... To me, I just, you know, that that's where my mind goes um, in terms of the reaction to Team USA. Um, again, I mean, you have Kevin Durant, you have Dame Lillard. That should be enough to bring you home. Should be. But again, with the way the team is constructed, they don't have a lot of balance. Right. Um, actually, with JaVale McGee, even though <laughs> it is funny when I saw his name pop up, but they do need some, at least some bodies, big men men bodies, at least. Um, So, you know, it may not be as bad. It may be more of a need than more of a, like a splash type of pick that they made because they definitely need more big bodies. Um, So, I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win the gold medal because of how they're constructed. They're pretty much like, jump shoot or die yeah because they're not <laughs> i mean they're really not 
going to get a lot of rebounds. Um, you know, these other teams are going to probably play pretty sound, not probably, but they're going to play pretty sound fundamental basketball. The style of game is different because in the NBA game, you know, guys can create fouls and they know what the rules are. In FIBA, they don't really call a lot of charges and the flops and the, you know, kick your leg out and then fall down when you shoot. They're not going to call that. So, you know, you're going to have to play some more precise basketball to win the gold medal. But, you know, as you guys said, I mean, if they lose, then people make fun of them and then they'll say, oh, we need to get the respect back. And then in the next Olympics, then all the best players will play again. And then I think they would still win the gold medal. So I don't think it's a reflect. If they do lose, it's not a reflection on USA. Well, it is a reflection on USA basketball, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole world is caught up or whichever country wins is the best, has the best basketball players in the world. It doesn't mean that. It just means, you know, you beat the Team USA's like B team. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it, Another thing is, and I mentioned Stephen A. Smith before, but like, bro, like, don't disrespect people like that. Like, when he's talking about the Nigeria team, and he's like, "Well, that's that's Stephen A. Smith. You know how he does, man." Yeah, like, bro, these dudes got names. I know you may not be able to pronounce it in there, but don't, don't you? It's not the fact that he he can mispronounce a name that we all do that, but it's the fact that he kind of disregarded them in the process, like dismissing them in the process. He did it on purpose. Yeah, and it's like they they hoop they hoop over there. Like we talking about 1992 Dream Team when dudes was like taking pictures and like fans like in the middle of a game with Jordan and Magic and Larry and all those folks. Mm -hmm. They're not doing that now. They may be fans, but they're not going to do it for the time that they're on the floor. It's different now. It's different. So to and especially a Nigeria team. Um, that has been well coached. Is it Mike Brown as their head coach? I yeah, know. yeah. I saw that. I thought that was, I thought somebody photoshopped that. I was like, there's no way Mike Brown is the coach of that team. But he's done a great job with the team, and they've been top tier talent across the world outside of the United States. So this wasn't a fluke. Nope. So you know, they need to get the respect that they deserve as well. So that that was my last comment. Yeah. Hmm. Um. I'm I'm just <laughs> yeah man. No nobody's trying to take a picture with kind of reiterating what you were saying. Nobody's trying to take take a picture with KD. <laughs> and I mean, it's just here go KD watch right here. Right, right. Yeah. He found a way to do a KD. Watch. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe Dane, but like Javale McGee, like he won't even know what he who he is when he's walking through Tokyo. They just think he's a regular tourist. Who's tall? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, but to y'all's point, I mean, they're not. I mean, it's different now. I mean, they're not afraid of these guys. Even if it was LeBron James out there, they don't. They're not gonna want to take their picture. They're gonna try and compete. Yeah, it's just it's different. Yeah, I think they just have and to show the respect the other team deserves and prepare for yeah. like their legit basketball team. And I think they're yeah. fine, but they just. The energy was off. Like they just kind of like, eh, I don't know. 
don't feel like the, the competitive nature is different. It just wasn't like, there. It's, yeah. you, like players now are built different. I mean, yeah, I remember Jordan. Like Jordan used to play in tournaments sometimes just to prove, <laughs> like that the U.S. had the best basketball players. Yeah, and now it's just I don't know. I hope I don't even know, and I guess that's why I hope that somehow it can get worked out that the NBA can work out some kind of like international I don't know like I feel like there should be something you know to uh, some I don't even want you to call like international exhibition games or something between NBA teams and like teams from other countries or something but uh, no they do during uh, well not this year because of COVID but they usually do um, you know, go over to like Europe and play games yeah. here and there, like the the exhibition games. You know, during training camp, they usually do. Um, but you know, obviously, we see they're starting to play real, like actual NBA yeah. games over there. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see. But man, I don't know. If, if, <laughs> I feel like I feel like people will get on KD's head, man, especially if he lose. <laughs> Man, I've already seen, I've already seen like images of KD Photoshop, show the Photoshop saying he's joining like the Australian team or he's joining the Nigerian team. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like KD's next move, but yeah, I don't know. But uh, at at the end of the day, like I don't know, I'm not surprised because like there's there's actual well, kind of like you guys have said, like the development is different. You know, here it's like. And and that just goes to show, like, I'm not saying the league has gotten softer, but it's different. It's gotten a lot softer. Yeah, it's different. Different. I'm throwing shade. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's what you do, man. Nah, it's good. A lot of isolation basketball, man. Yes. And now you run up against team basketball. Sometimes that can, you know, bite you in the rear. And you pick all guys that are like isolation heavy, like they don't they don't really move without the basketball. At all. No. <laughs> well, we still got a couple games left in the NBA season here, and this is this has been something. This has been something. Uh, Phoenix winning the first two, uh, taking care of their home court. Milwaukee said, "Hey, we're going to take care of home on our side as well." Uh, we're seeing different teams on both sides, which is it's kind of like it's kind of polarizing in itself because it's not like you see Phoenix going out in the first two games and they're still playing like that Phoenix, but then Milwaukee just gets that much better and wins, right? It's like Phoenix is dropping off and they're, they're turning the ball over more. So Chris Paul, who usually doesn't turn the ball over that much has been, Uh, you know, Booker had a, you know, a tough shooting game in, in game three bounced back in game four. Uh, you know, Aiden has been getting accumulate more fouls throughout the course of the series, which is which is hurting his impact a little bit on the game too. Uh, you know, the the role players haven't played as well in Milwaukee as they did in Phoenix. I'm just going to make a quick prediction, and I'm still going to stick with with Phoenix. I'm picking them to win Game Five and upsetting Milwaukee in Game Six to to bring it home. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and do that. I definitely could see it going seven games. It might be like that, but 
I have more faith in Phoenix winning in Milwaukee than I do Milwaukee winning in Phoenix. And so that's kind of the difference for me in this series. But, uh, you know, Phoenix in particular, Chris Paul and stuff, like this is your moment. Don't, don't let this one slip through. And when stuff gets tight, you start turning the ball over. When stuff gets tight, you start missing shots. Your mechanics break down and stuff. All those little things add up. And that's what we're seeing happen. And it's giving Milwaukee confidence because we've been so hard on Budenholzer about adjustments because he's been very slow to do certain adjustments. But, you know, when they're being made, uh, it's been effective in this series. You know, Middleton had a big game um, the other night. But I also look at, you know, Monty Williams. I'm like, bro, like, why are you rolling that that zone out there? That That's not going to work. That's not what you need to play defense against them. You had the formula. Okay, don't change it. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? That's the saying. I think sometimes coaches get that pressure just as much as players do because Monty knows how big this is for him in his career too. And he's been fighting for this. He's been underappreciated. You know, it, you know, he's had his, you know, traumatic issues too. You know, in his personal life, he knows like, hey, this is a big moment uh, for me. And sometimes you get in your own head and you end up making mistakes. You end up trying to mess with things that don't need to be messed with. Uh, so I think they need to get back to Phoenix Suns basketball. They need to get back to the ball movement that they were doing uh, because Milwaukee really hasn't been able to take that away. I think it's just that Phoenix hasn't been aggressive enough to implement that yet, uh, to implement that in, at, in Milwaukee. So that, that's just kind of my analysis, my quick analysis of that. Um, if Phoenix gets back to playing Phoenix Suns basketball, even though the games will be closer than the first two, I see Phoenix uh, edging them out in six games. Um, we'll go to Coach K because Coach Nighty is going to bring us home because whatever he says is what's actually going to happen. Oh, no, I don't need that pressure. Because <laughs> in, in our chat, I'm going to just put this out there right now. He, he put that he had a really bad feeling, you know, <laughs> about games three, about game three and game four. And before game four started, he said, you know what? I'm feeling, you know, Booker's going to have a great game. He's going to drop 40 tonight. Booker dropped 40. Like, <laughs> like so, like, why couldn't you just say, and the Suns win? You just <laughs> And we could have had a 3-1 series and Chris Paul about to go get his, get his ring. Uh, I wish. I wish that was the case. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, Coach K, we'll go to you first. Um, what's kind of your – what are your predictions for games five, six, and seven? My predictions for game seven, uh, I'm predicting that uh, at least two – I'm predicting at least uh, two free throw clock violations for Giannis. question is like how long can Giannis keep this up because the thing that the thing that worries worries me about Giannis is like he it's almost like he forgets who he is like he has a moment of amnesia or something Mm. like he'll be one minute he's still driving and the next thing he's pulling up and shooting a three-pointer I'm like bro what what, why why you're not (laughs) built for that bro you just 
and that's why that's why I have a problem if if the Bucks win the series. Like if 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 the Bucks win and and he gets an MVP, I will like I will like seriously stop watching the NBA. Like I, I can't do it. I, I do appreciate his heart and his hustle. Like he's out there, like he he's acting like he wants to win the game, but I don't know. Like I guess it's yeah, yeah. I, I get I don't know. Like it's their main thing is is just like a couple things I picked up from Game Four. So whenever I feel, I guess um, you could say the defense that. Uh, that Drew Holiday is putting on CP3 has got him on the edge a little bit. But every time, too, when I see Chris Paul, like, going up to shoot, it almost feels like he's – you could tell he's truly undersized. Like, he is literally shooting up over the defender, which is – it just speaks to how, like, crazy tall – I mean, just – I mean, they're just so long and lanky, uh, Milwaukee is, and, like, I don't know. I think I think another thing too is like mindset. And I think I think the Phoenix mindset coming into the series is like, oh, you know, like yeah, like they they were just like they've they've been the they've been the team that's played the most consistent, they've been the most talked about team. Like everything's lining up like they should win the championship. And I feel like they've to a certain extent like They've underestimated how good the Bucks really are because even I, to a certain extent, like you can take for – I'm not going to say take for granted, but like we all know what Giannis does. So like he does it on a night-in, night-out basis essentially. And like if all you have is DeAndre Ayton to like kind of like square up with him, I mean that's – if he's in foul trouble, then that's it's, that's you know, that's a wrap. And then like middle Middleton has been putting on some good games. Well, I say his his first really good game. Uh, I think the first first game he played okay, um, but this game he really showed you know like his you know all star potential. And I think that in order for them to actually win the championship, he's going to have to play consistently. From here on out, um, uh, we already talked about the zone. Um, I think they're going to have to – they're going to – and me and – I know me and uh, Coach Natty T had a conversation – well, had a – one back and forth on the chat on this, but I, I think they're going to have to find – I don't know if, if somebody needs to sit, sit down and have a talk with uh, with Aiden, but I mean we've seen him. He's going to have to. I think he's going to have to put up like 15, 15, 10 or like he's going to have to get above the fifteen point range. I think for them to win this and like and still you know uh, get at least like 10, 10 rebounds or you know I won't say at least you probably have to get like more than that, but. Um, so he, I think something's getting in his head right now. Uh, and then also Chris Paul is going to have to find a way to get his shot. Cause if, if Booker, if Booker is not, you, you can't leave it all on book. Yeah. So like, he's going to have to, 
they need an established like secondary scoring option. Like they're at their best when you have like a thirty. If you can get, you gotta get. I'd say at least sixty points between two of those guys. Something between two of those guys, yeah. So I mean, because either that or like if Chris Paul is looking anything like he did from from uh, game game three. I mean, game four, I would, I would almost put put a campaign in there. But I don't know. I saw – I forget. I think it was more towards the end of the game where I forget who it was that blocked Cam's layup. And I was just like, man, I, I don't know. <laughs> it was funny. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, they need more production out of the bench too. I mean, and kudos for uh, Joe Crowder for stepping up and, and playing as well as he's been. I call him Joe Crowder because I don't respect him, but um, <laughs> yeah. Right. I guess now for my prediction, I'm predicting a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard to say because I really I feel like the uh, I feel like obviously the momentum is definitely in. Uh, Swung back to the Bucks, but I think I might change my opinion if if the Suns lose this game. But I still think it's going to be a seven game series either way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Phoenix, edging it out by like uh, I'm gonna say like eight points. So, well, Coach Natty, bring us home. Give us some good news, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, see, I, y'all putting pressure on me now. Well, so my game five tomorrow night, I got um, I have Phoenix winning. Uh, I'm gonna stick with my. <laughs> I was well. I mean, I picked I picked the Bucks in seven, so I mean they have to win. They have to win tomorrow night because if they if they lose tomorrow night, like it's a wrap. Um, yeah, so then I have then so you know obviously I have the Bucks win in Game Six, and then I, I just I think the Bucks could squeeze it out in Game Seven, kind of similar to like that uh, that Brooklyn Nets game that they had, even though it was pretty much them against Kevin Durant. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, really, I already you know explained my thought process on the whole thing. I just think. Man, it's just the two backup centers for the Suns. I think that's starting to kind of show their importance because Aiton has to be out there the whole time. And I think part of the timidness is, you know, him knowing that he pretty much has to play the whole game. So he may not want to be, you know, too aggressive and pick up like, you know, offensive fouls like some dumb offensive fouls or something like that by being too aggressive so I think that's where he's showing a little bit of timidness um and then Chris Paul I I just lord have mercy that was his worst game I've ever seen him play I didn't recognize him. I'm just like yeah and, it, and it's just like you you're thinking like oh he's not gonna make the same mistakes again yeah. he makes it like three or four more times I'm like my gosh yeah. man like yeah 
So, um, but but I I think he'll bounce back. I mean, I, I think I think they'll 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 pull out game game five, um, and then yeah, getting out the Bucks in game six, and then Bucks in game seven. Because um, again, I I just keep thinking, like I said, explain my thought process already on it. I, I just feel like if 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 you're Drew Holidays of the world, you're the Chris Middletons of the world, like I respect them, but I mean I should be able to hold my own. And really, the Milwaukee Bucks haven't really played a good, complete game yet. So that kind of, from a Phoenix perspective, that worries me. Yeah. Um, and I think the fact that their backup centers are down, it forces Phoenix to win more in a one-dimensional fashion because pretty much they just have to knock their shots down. Mm-hmm. Whereas Milwaukee, they've won the rebounding battle all four games, even the first two games in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Their bench is pretty much outscored Phoenix all four games. They're getting and can get the easier baskets. Like, I, I, I didn't even realize this. Game four, the Suns didn't have one fast break point at all. Not one. So that just puts a lot of pressure on your Devin Booker's and your Chris Paul's of the world to really make their shots, make their outside shots, because yeah. they don't really get easy baskets. So that's what kind See. of worries me about them a little bit as far as them winning the series, even though, again, I, I do think they'll win tomorrow night. But that's what worries me about them. So that's why I have the Bucks winning at seven, because I just think they, even when they don't play well, they can still win ugly, whereas the Suns can't win ugly in this series. So that's my analysis. You see, the thing the thing about this that still makes me think Phoenix is going to win is that if Chris Paul just has a marginally okay game by his standards, like we're we're probably talking like, you know what, Game Five back in Phoenix, it's a wrap. But now it's a series, so I still feel like Phoenix could very easily win this. It's just. Yeah. I think it's 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 a matter of confidence too. So yeah. and and you have to capitalize on mistakes because there was plenty of times where, you know, there were no conversions off of Milwaukee's like turnovers or, you know, stupid a, a dumb Giannis shot, you know, or something. And other thing too is just sometimes it's just like I don't know what Chris is doing with the ball. Like it's just it's just like like, I'm looking for a play to happen. Like, oh, he's just dribbling it over in the corner. Like, I'm like, what is he going to do? And that's that's where I'm just like, that's what's got me lost. So, I'm just like, dude, dude just make better, better decisions with the ball. You know, I mean. Because game four was winnable, to what you're saying. Very like, winnable. No, it wasn't winnable. They lost it. Yeah, they lost it. Yes, they lost it. And your point of they didn't capitalize on Milwaukee's mistakes as much. That that's also a good point. I agree with that. Yeah, it's like sometimes Chris Paul has the ball and he'll. I'm like, okay, he is going to set up a play. Yeah, I'm Chris Paul. I don't turn the ball over a lot. Behind the back pass, like bro, like what are you doing? Like you don't need to. That's not the pass you need to make. Like so, I think sometimes he he. He he is outside. He gets outside of himself sometimes. It's like, nah, that's not, that's not what you do really either. Like you can make that pass, mm-hmm. 
but you're usually smarter about when you make that pass. And so, like, you know, it's just like make the make the easy play. What you were mm-hmm. saying, Coach Maddie, about them shooting. And that's like I I don't get why people fall in love with the formula. It's one reason why USA is losing games. It's the reason why, um, speaking of Chris Paul, when he was out in the Rockets, blew those games against Golden State because they kept shooting the ball from three-point range the entire time. Like, there are no other ways to score the basketball, right? And so Chris Paul usually brings that element of like, okay, let me go get a mid-range jumper real quick and everything. But his teammates need to follow suit with that. Devin Booker is so much better when he's playing aggressive to the basket, right? Because now you force the defense to to play different, right? Now you could be hot from three-point range and that's good. And you got, but there's going to come a time where it's like, I need to put the ball on the floor and get to the bucket because then that's what they were talking about. All those free throws that Phoenix shot, right? In game one, that's because they were aggressive going to the basket. And now you're putting pressure on their defense where they're like, Yo, like we got we got three guys with two fouls in the first half. We gotta be careful for the rest of the second quarter, and then you're able to build a lead, build a lead, and you come back on the th- third quarter, and you're right back aggressive. Now, hey, we got two guys with three fouls now, and they're already a good free throw shooting team. But that doesn't matter if you're not getting to the free throw line. Nope. So basically, you're canceling your own strength out. So if I'm Mikael Bridges, if I'm Devin Booker stuff like that, let those young athletic guys eat and let them eat at the basket. If they're wide open for shots and it's and they're getting to a rhythm and it's falling, then great, do your thing. But you can't be a one-dimensional team and win in this league. Even Golden State would tell you that because there were times where, you know, Iggy would get you too. Sean Livingston with the automatic mid-range jumper would go get, you know, go get some buckets there. You know, Draymond Green, get some buckets there. Um, you know, even Curry would dribble and, and, you know, get the defender off balance and, and float it, you know, and, and make passes. You got to be able to break momentum when the other team is hot, but also just keep accumulating points on the board. If you notice that what you're doing isn't working right now, when it comes mm-hmm. to shooters, you just need to see the ball going a few times for most shooters. Right. You don't, that doesn't necessarily have to be from the three point line. That could be from anywhere. And that shooter all of a sudden gets confidence from anywhere on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Make it easy on yourself and make it hard for them. And I think some, some too often in this current style of basketball, people make it too hard for themselves and they make it easier on the opponent. Yeah, man. And I just want to say this, like, shout out to Devin Booker because, like, the way he was scoring that basket, I mean, scoring the scoring points like in Game Four, I was like, I was jumping out of my chair, man. Yeah. I was like, this is this is what I was, this is what I came to see. Yeah. And then, I mean, aside from the stupid fouls, like you couldn't have asked for a better game, man. Like, usually, like that type of play, like, should inspire your teammates. Like, I was like nobody else was contributing. It, I mean, it, Jay Crowder, but. <laughs> it can't just be but like that's producing like and yeah. playing aggressive. Y'all all gotta play aggressive and play smart and aggressive. Yeah. But we'll see what happens, man. Um, yeah. Shout out shout out to Giannis too for uh taking more stupid, stupid 
stupid three point shots. Like <laughs> I, I fully, I fully advocate that man. Like I want to, I want to see him go one for eight. <laughs> well, if he does that tomorrow night, they'll definitely lose that one. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So, other thing too. I mean, I know it's a small thing, but he's probably not going to make as many free throws as he has been making. Because it's, yeah. He he gets rattled with that countdown, man. He gets rattled with that. He sure does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and Pandas Parker might be on the cover of the NBA game. Is that is that what I saw? Oh, yeah, I think she's 2K. 2K. Man. Don't work. Yeah, congrats, Candace Parker. Well done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely, definitely a sh- wanted to shout out there. Saw that on IG the other day. Well, that's that's it for us here on the Coach's Box. Appreciate y'all stepping in and joining us. Uh, looking forward to talking with y'all next week. Uh, we'll have the complete finals. We'll have a winner. We'll have a champion by our next show. We'll have a champion. So we'll break that down and, and we'll get into some of the other sports. We'll start talking a little football too, getting ready for the NFL season. So, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, can't wait to talk about football, man. I can't wait for football season to start. Dallas. Yeah, we got yeah. plenty of topics, too, because, man, they drama. Already. Whistle hasn't blown once. There's drama already. already. Yeah. 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 Y'all have a great weekend. Stay blessed. Stay safe, everyone. Catch y'all next time right here on the Coach's Box.